up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into Tethered, a podcast dedicated to helping followers of Jesus stay connected to Him day by day. My prayer for this episode is that it would encourage you, challenge you, and propel you to abide more deeply in Jesus. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everyone? Once again, this is your host, Joey Morales. I really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop, and please share with your friends and family on social media however you share things. I would really appreciate it. This is Season 2 of the podcast, dedicated to helping you understand your purpose for your life calling, how to stay tethered to Jesus moment by moment, day by day in your life calling, and walking away encouraged to live your life on mission, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. For this episode, I'm going to have a conversation with one of my closest friends, Jonathan McCracken, and my good friend, Kelsey Moss, about how they are staying tethered to Jesus to live their life as engineers on mission. Jonathan is originally from Lincoln, Nebraska and moved down to the Kansas City area for work after graduating college. He began to follow Jesus in February 2020. He attends, serves, and leads at Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. He is an electrical engineer for Kewit and specializes in engineering power plants to provide power for municipal districts. He enjoys the technical aspect of his work but also the relational aspect since he has the opportunity to live out and share the gospel with his co-workers. Kelsey is originally from Omaha, Nebraska and moved down to the Kansas City area as well for work after graduating college. She didn't know many people when she first moved to the Kansas City area, although she got connected at a great church shortly after moving. The church, Abundant Life, made a huge impact on her life, especially through deep friendships, and by strengthening her faith in Jesus. She has grown in confidence and boldness as a result of being involved at Abundant Life. She is a mechanical engineer for Burns and McDonald. Her workplace has become one of her main mission fields. Fun fact, Jonathan is dating Kelsey. I am excited to have both Jonathan and Kelsey on the podcast to chat about how they live their lives on mission as engineers. Without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Jonathan and Kelsey. Alrighty, friends, you have made it to season two of Tethered. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into this podcast. I'm really grateful to have each and every one of you listen, and thank you for, you know, listening to the trailers and the teasers that you heard, you're probably like, what do you mean by living your life calling? Like, what do you mean by that, uh, Joey? Um, Well, I'm glad you asked. And so, dear listener, let me help you understand what season two is going to be all about. And so, a lot of you guys know that I work in vocational ministry with crew. And so, as I've been working in vocational ministry, I come across people who feel like they have to become, quote-unquote, big-time Christians in order to do the work of the Ministry of Reconciliation 
of sinners to a loving, holy God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinners to become saints. And so you might be asking, like, what do you mean by big-time Christians? So um, by big-time Christians, it means, like, some people feel like they have to become, like, Jonathan Pakluda or John Piper or, you know, other sorts of Christian celebrities in order to be used by God. But I want to bring you some comfort in that you don't have to be like Jonathan Pakluda. Um, and so why am I referring to a life calling? And so some people are called to do careers like be an engineer or be an influencer or be a hairstylist, accountant, whatever that may be. Um, we're all called to do some sort of occupation with our lives in order to magnify and glorify God. And so, but here's another reason why I'm wanting to do season two of uh, Tethered and why I called it On Mission. I, ha- I haven't found too many podcasts that challenge listeners to live their life on mission to specific groups of people. And so what I mean by that is that I haven't seen many podcasts that have episodes that challenge those who work in fields like engineering, marketing, or even like groups of people like teenagers or senior adults, whatever that may be, to live their life on mission or to partake in the mission of God. All of us are called to be in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus had commanded his disciples. And so, and the beautiful thing behind that is just Jesus himself is with you wherever you go when you live your life on mission. And so that's the promise he makes. He promises to abide in you or stay tethered to you. And so since this podcast is mainly about abiding in Christ in various areas of life, I thought it would be good to challenge listeners to live their life on mission as a result of their personal abiding in Christ. If you, dear listener, have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you would want to go tell others about Jesus. And so this is what motivated me to do season two and call it On Mission. And so now what I'm not saying is like a specific group of people can only reach a specific group of people. We're all called to do evangelism. We're all called to live our life on mission to reach everybody. Um, But in this season, I want to take time just to kind of break down what does it look like for an engineer to, you know, do mission as an engineer, things like that. And so what is exactly living life on mission? This is a very popular term that is, you know, common in our evangelical like culture today. And so let me just define what does it mean to live life on mission. It just simply means coming alongside God in his mission to reach people far from him with the good news of Jesus Christ in your sphere of influence. It's just being a, being a, being a follower of Christ. It's living that evangelistic lifestyle. It's what I call delivering the good news. It's shouting extra, extra, read all about it when you proclaim what Jesus has done for you. And so, and God calls all of us to partake in that mission. It doesn't matter, like I said earlier, what stage of life you're in. And so, dear listener, if you recall season one, um, the episode Jesus is Adequate, God call, calls all of his people to the work of the ministry of reconciliation. And that is our duty as being members of one body. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to listen to it. Um, It'll be season one, episode 11, um, but depending on your podcasting platform, you might have to actually look up the episode by name. And so, but other than that, um, now that I shared what season two of Tethered's all about, 
why season two was created and, and define what it means to live your life on mission. Let's kick off season two. And so, but I am excited to introduce to you, dear listener, the guests that are being featured for the first time ever podcasting, but also they're my very first guest here on season two. And so I'm honored to introduce these dear friends of mine. And so I'm honored to introduce Jonathan and Kelsey. And so welcome guys. (laughs) Welcome to Tethered. Glad to have you guys on. Thanks for having us. Yes. So why don't you do me a big favor? Go ahead and describe who you are. What you do as your roles as a mechanical engineer, Kelsey, as an electrical engineer, Jonathan. Then I got a fun question I want to ask you guys, and then three fun facts about you both. So, whoever wants to go first. All right, I can go first. Uh, so, as you said, my name is Jonathan. Um, I work for a company called Kiwit uh, up in Lenexa, Kansas. Um, so, basically, what our company does is we're basically a contractor working on a lot of big projects. Um, Specifically, what I work on is uh, power plants. So basically designing and building and engineering and then constructing a power plant. Um, And so basically my role right now is electrical engineer on one of our uh, uh, projects uh, down in Mexico. Uh, Basically handling all the cables we're going to be purchasing on site and then engineering them so that we actually know how to install them to connect all of our pieces of equipment to then uh, generate power for a local municipality down there. Cool. That's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, and I'm Kelsey Moss. Um, I work uh, at a local engineering firm called Burns Mac, and I'm a mechanical engineer, like Joey said. So I work mostly on HVAC projects, which is like heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and then also piping. So uh, we have a lot of different kinds of projects, but basically um, if you're looking at a building, anything that makes the building run, like making it hot or cold, or um, getting water in a sink, things like that. That's the type of stuff that my group and I do. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then I got a fun question for the both of you. Thanks for sharing what you do. Um, here's my fun question I have to ask you. So I know that both of you are from a state that is known for producing a certain type of commodity that a lot of us like to eat. And so here's my question. Which type of corn is better, Iowa or Nebraska's, and Why? I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> We're you start in Nebraska, Nebraska, you so. stay in Nebraska, you don't go to Iowa. I mean, wow. that's, that's too far. Um, but no, I'd say... No hating on Iowa, by the way. Not at all. No, no, no. Uh, they don't actually exist, so... Wow. <laughs> no, but what I'd say... So I was actually researching this. I was like, well, which would be better? And it says basically that Iowa is the number one corn producer and Nebraska is the third... Uh, biggest corn producer so basically what that made me think is that they produce a lot of corn but the quality's not there (laughs) number one in quantity number well i guess last in quality so so you're saying qualitative qualitative it's nebraska oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah oh yeah (laughs) being that we're both from nebraska i mean we are not biased at all it's definitely an objective statement that nebraska corn is Certainly the best. <laughs> I mean, I even lived in Iowa City for eight months and didn't compare. So. I'm sorry, guys, from Iowa listening. <laughs> but it looks oh like gosh. Nebraska got the favorite here since it, they're both from Nebraska. I mean, I can't really tell the difference. I'm from California. We just, uh, we have oranges. Mm, so that's, that's, right. that's something. Yeah. That's something, at least. Corn, it just tastes the same, but maybe it's because I haven't had good corn. Anyways, it, but. <laughs> anyways, and then three fun facts about the both of you. 
So for me, I am a rock climber. I've been to every Major League Baseball stadium. I have a friend that wants to do that. It's Yeah, it was super fun. We watched a game at every stadium but mm. Texas. Oh, nice. Um, and then my first phone was a pink Motorola Razor. I remember those. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a pink Motorola Razor, but um, fun f- <laughs> It was actually blue. Um, Okay, so first of all, I'd say um, my favorite sport or favorite hobby is playing volleyball. So I've been doing that ever since I was probably in grade school. Uh, My mom was my coach and all that kind of stuff, and just kind of grew up loving the sport. Um, Funny fact, fun fact, or funny thing that we've been talking about corn. I actually detasseled corn for about eight years as a kid. Oh, nice. Um, and along with that, sold uh, Pepsi products during football games on the weekends. Oh, nice. And then another fun fact I'd say is me and a buddy went backpacking in Costa Rica for eight days. And all we knew about the trip was we had our flights. So we knew when we were arriving and when we were leaving. And we knew where our destination was going to be. But that's basically it. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dude, tasseling corn sounds so much fun. That's such a Nebraska thing right there. <laughs> it, I thought it was fun, and then I went back and did it uh, for another year, and it wasn't as fun as I thought it had been. <laughs> well, thank you for, for, for sharing your fun facts, and again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to meet with me on Tether to discuss about how you two live your life on mission as engineers. So thank you again for um, willing to come on, and so... All right, so I've got some questions I want to ask you guys about your lives. And so um, what is your story? Like, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Like, what's your background? Yeah, I can take this one first. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess I can just kind of brief summary of my testimony. So, grew up in a Christian household, mm-hmm. just really didn't have a relationship with God. I knew of him, but I really didn't even know that much about him. And I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And so basically grew up having that atmosphere where we went to church, kind of made it a weekly tradition. um, But that's really all it was. It was a tradition and it was a religion, but it really wasn't our faith. Um, And so basically my childhood was pretty rocky with uh, my parents getting divorced when I was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. Um, really fallen into a ton of just different uh, addictions that I had uh, that really just took over my life. Um, and then kind of just throughout all that time period when I was growing up and going through high school and college, all of those anxieties and, and issues turning into depression and then dealing with uh, uh, thoughts of suicide when I was uh, actually a, later on in college. And so all these things were going on. Um, and I just really didn't think there was anything left. Once I graduated college um, or was getting close to graduating college, I was like, what is the future? What, what is next? Like, there's no more grades. There's no more teachers to impress. There's none of this. Um, it just didn't seem like there was anything left. And so I was graduating college and God was just really working in my life at that time. And I didn't even know it. Um, there's a lot of just different instances and a lot of just different uh people in my life that just spoke into it, um, whether it be the church group that prayed over me and just gave me some biblical wisdom before I went down to um, a friend just uh, inviting me or uh, talking with a friend and just inviting me to a church down in Kansas City or one of my relatives just sharing the gospel and praying over me, like all these things leading up to me coming down to Kansas City, uh, actually finding a church, but then also hearing the gospel. And so 
I came down uh, to Kansas City from Nebraska when I graduated college in uh, December of 2019. Um, so when I moved down here, uh, started going to a church, and actually that first week was when I heard the gospel for the first time, heard it uh, like preached to me and uh, spoken to me. And I also was able to hear a lot of people's stories about actually what Christ was doing in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically how that happened was we have this young adults ministry down here in Kansas City uh, called Paradigm. Um, went there on Tuesday, uh, which is when, when they meet, and a guy basically came up to me and was talking to me, and he's like, uh, hey, are you a Christian? I'm like, yes, I'm a Christian. Um, and then he asked another question. He's like, hey, do you know the gospel? And I'm like, well, it's the Bible, right? And he's like, there's a little bit more to it than that. And so sat me down, shared his story, shared his struggles, shared the things he's gone through, um, but also throughout all of that, shared the gospel with me, shared the good news of Jesus Christ. and. Mm-hmm what he did for me on the cross and what um, the ultimate penalty ended up paying um, by dying on the cross and paying for my sin and my iniquity and my depravity um, and something that I did not need, did not deserve um, so that I could have a right relationship with God and so that I could have salvation. He paid for all of that. He died and then rose again three days later um, to the to, and ascended to the right hand of God. And through that, he left the Holy Spirit for us to guide us and um, for our assistance, basically, um, so that we have that relationship with God and, and basically that seal to our salvation. And so um, just hearing all this and, and taking that in um, definitely brought just a profound peace once I really realized what it meant and what it was. Um, and so basically heard the gospel and, and that week, gave my life to Christ that week. Mm. Um, and like I said, it gave me that peace and kind of like the depression and the loneliness and the really not understanding what my purpose is in life and where I'm going in life completely changed where I had a purpose. Now I did understand what life was all about and I understood, um, what I was actually supposed to do and what it meant to really actually live, um, and live for eternity. And so uh, that didn't mean like it was easy walk or there is, um, I'm ever going to be perfect or I'm ever Mm going to make it. But it, knowing that God was with me and knowing that um, I was loved um, changed everything. Mm. And so basically after that, started working, started going, um, going to work and really just dealing with all those struggles there. Um, but alongside of that, I was dealing with a lot of, uh, like I mentioned earlier, addictions. And so one big one of those was, was pornography. And that was something that had a huge stronghold on my life for so, so long. And even after giving my life to Christ, it had a stronghold for another year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so, but basically what I was learning through all these struggles and like understanding who Christ was, was that it all came down to submission and really instead of coming to, uh, coming to God with our, our fists closed, really coming to God with our fists open, um, and spending time with him, like, like Joey's always mentions being tethered to him and always going back to him, having a relationship with him, praying to him, having that conversation with him but really coming to him also just open-handed and like, God, have your will on me, on my life and do with me as you please. Um, because I'm not worthy of anything. Mm. And I know that whatever I try and do for myself is not going to compare to what you have planned and what your desires are for me and for the people around me. And so just going through that, learning that, um, there was another part of my walk, which, uh, kind of goes with, uh, my job is I actually moved 
about a year into my work, I moved down to Louisiana to work on about an $8 billion project down there. Um, basically, it was an LNG uh, facility that we were building. It was about 240 acres, just a massive, massive plant. Uh, I think uh, I looked at numbers uh, the other day, and there was like uh, like thousands and thousands of, of workers there, craft and staff, mm-hmm. um, all on site. So it was just a huge, huge project, and but it also took a lot out of every single person that was working there. Um, and so when I was down there, um, I definitely took a step back in my faith. I stopped spending time with God. I stopped um, really just getting in the Word and praying and really what kept me grounded throughout that time was community group, the people I had around me that I could keep going back to and that keep, uh, they kept asking about how I was doing and, and what I was doing. And it was also really God still working in my life, um, even though I was like turning my back to him and walking away from him. Um, I mean, Christ has still paid for all of those sins mm. and everything and, and God's still pursuing us and chasing us and, and just asking us to come back. Mm. And so like during that time, Definitely fell away. Um, definitely had some struggles and dealt with a lot, but uh, through that was able to um, kind of like see what really mattered in life. Um, when I was down there making a, probably double of what I'm making now with per diem and being able to travel every every other week wherever I wanted to go, um, none of that compared to what uh, I could do for eternity by pursuing God and, and doing all these things like basically I had to make the decision, was it, did I want to chase the world or did I want to chase God? Um, and really, I mean, it wasn't an easy decision um, when I actually came up with it and had to like, no, I had to make that decision because I had to either, was either going to stay down there for another year or I was going to come back and pursue God. Uh, initially wasn't going to make that decision, um, but God just kind of kept putting people in my life and kept showing me um, what really was of value in life. And so ended up making the decision, coming back, um, and have been pursuing God harder and harder every mm-hmm. single week, every single month, um, plugging myself in, um, sharing the gospel with people, um, and just showing God's love and telling God's love to the people around me at work, at church, in the grocery store, really anywhere. Wow, that's it's awesome, Jonathan. It's always cool to hear your story afresh. I've heard it so many times. And dear listener, Jonathan has been in my personal community groups uh, almost three years now as we're recording this episode. And it's, I've been a personal witness to seeing all these things that he just described. And it's been really cool to see the Lord just working in his life as he's being sanctified moment by moment, day by day. And so thank you for sharing your story, but thank you for being real on the podcast too. And so, yeah, that's awesome that the Lord has worked in that way in your life. And, you know, it's it's exciting to see what he will continue to do mm-hmm. in your life as you continue to live your days. And so that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Sweet. Well, my story is a little bit different. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. And when I was a little girl, I remember asking Jesus into my heart, mm-hmm. basically like, Um, yeah, just, that's how I knew it at the time of accepting Christ. Um, and just continue to grow up, going to church, um, being involved there and just having a really great supportive family. Um, when I was in high school, I really realized that throughout my whole growing up, I really compared myself to other people. I have an older brother who is awesome and he's 
seems like he's excellent at everything. So I always felt myself comparing myself to him, trying to measure up to what he could do mm-hmm. to my teachers or my parents, um, and just to kind of do that to be good enough or to get the perfect grades or look like the person who had it all together. I was always like the very good girl, the one who was like, oh, very dependable, like mm-hmm. could do it. I felt like, oh, I need to like do all this stuff to mm-hmm. um, basically be good enough or I'd be seen as someone with value. Um, and I had kind of started realizing that at the end of high school, but it wasn't until I graduated high school and then went into college and got involved in a campus ministry that I realized um, the way that I saw following Christ was very different than what those friends were doing. Um, I thought, like, yes, like I have a personal relationship with Christ, but I didn't really see that impacting my life on the day-to-day all that much. I didn't really read my Bible except when I was like, oh, I need to do that more, and would like have this checklist and like read two verses every week or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I saw them like actually like wanting to read their Bible and like wanting to talk with people about Christ and just living really differently. Like what I really noticed was that they were so at peace um, with who they were and who God created them to be and just with what they were doing where I felt like I was striving, just running um, so hard to try to be the best at different things and to try to like basically have what I thought was the perfect life. So I was more running after the perfect life than actually running after Christ. So I started spending more time with those girls and just realizing um, that what I thought following Christ was, like a, oh, this is like kind of a weekend thing. Like, yes, like it's a big thing in my life, but I didn't know how to live that out. I realized that um, like actually following Christ is something that takes up your whole life. And Mm -hmm. it affects how I saw myself and how I spent my time. And rather than, um, I basically realized all the different times where I'd like run to, um, how I was doing in school or approval from other people or how fit I was or the outfits I wore or the friends I had, or just that entire, I had a whole list of different things that I would try to do or try to go to, to basically prove that I was good enough. I realized that I didn't have to go to those things that instead, um, God loved me for who I was and, um, I didn't have to be this perfect person to like mm-hmm. earn an extra portion of God's love or like an extra portion of um, even like lo- like appreciation, or like love from my parents or friends or whatever that just who God created me to be, like that was good enough and I didn't have to try to be someone else or do other things was just this lesson that I slowly learned um, from spending time with those friends but also spending time with God. Um, I realized that... I was turning to what Jeremiah 2 calls broken cisterns. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Israelites would like go to these broken cisterns that couldn't hold water. So they'd like turn to something else and turn from God to something. I realized that I was like turning from God to fill those different things in my life and turning to all these things that would just end up like hollowing out and not filling me up as I thought they would, but end up just like running empty. Um, so I thought I learned that lesson and I did and I started following Christ um, and basically like, giving mm-hmm. those areas of my life to God, too. Um, but I realized that that kind of stuck with me. I'll circle mm-hmm. back to that in a second. But basically, um, through spending time with all those people in the campus ministry, we would, um, like, read the Bible together, and we would go do, like, campus, evangel- or campus evangelism. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember people talking about that, and I was like, I'm not a missionary. Like, that is not mm-hmm. for me to do. Like, what are you talking about? But then I was like, oh, like, that's something that, like, just normal Christians do, like, mm-hmm. not special Christians. Yeah. And I realized, like, even, like, all Christians are the same. Like, either you're, like, all in with God or you're not. Mm-hmm. So I realized that and then kind of came back to, um, 
thinking like, okay, like, wow, maybe I have to do more to be an extra, like a special Christian. And they're like, wait, no, like, I did, like literally like Romans 10, 9 just says that if you confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. So I started like, living that out where I didn't have to do all that stuff, didn't try to like meet the checklist or whatever, um, but just started believing that God said mm-hmm. what he did and he meant it. Um, and so that's been a big part of my story, even with graduating college and moving mm-hmm. to Kansas City, just continuing to learn that I don't have to prove myself or I don't have to um, try to do the most or like mm-hmm. impress other people, but just live for an audience of one, um, and that's yeah. God. And that just by serving Him and um, spending time with Him, like that's what matters the most. And out of that, not on my own strength, but on His, like, and mm-hmm. just through trusting, like trusting him and that what I'm doing, um, is worthwhile, that it's through those things that, um, I'm glorifying God and like living a purposeful life. Mm, That's awesome. Kelsey, thank you for sharing your story. I've actually not heard your entire story until today. It's really awesome that the Lord, you know, planted those gospel seeds in your life and really brought it to fruition at your time in your campus ministry at UNL. Mm-hmm. That's awesome that the Lord orchestrated that for you to recognize you don't have to be this special Christian in order to do things for the Lord. It's just being ordinary. When I was, when you were when you were sharing that, I was thinking of uh, Gideon in the Book of Judges, when like the Lord, an angel of the Lord comes to him and basically says. Here in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty men of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why didn't this happen to us all? Like the Midianites took over Israel. And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to it, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And so the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And Gideon goes on to share, like, I'm the weakest in the clan of Manasseh. Like, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not strong enough. But the Lord's like, no, go. And what does he say? I will be with you. Mm-hmm. Like, he says he's the least in his father's house. But the Lord says, go, I'm with you. And it sounds like in your testimony, you've come to understand, like, the Lord is with you. You don't have to perform to please everybody, mm-hmm. but instead please God because he's already pleased in you through his son. Mm-hmm. And so that's awesome that you shared that. I love that you shared that. Yeah, that's a great verse, too, or a great yes. passage. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you both for sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. All right, so now we're going to transition into what you do as engineers. And so, dear listener, this episode is called Count the Cost, Engineers Living on Mission. And so you got to hear their stories, and now we're going to transition into, like, how do they practically live that out in their roles that the Lord has called them to do, you know, specifically engineering. And so, first question I have for you both, what caused you to develop an interest in engineering? So for me, it started in high school. I enrolled in an engineering and architecture class. I had no idea what it was. One of my friends was like, is that like driving a train? I was like, no, it's something different. But anyway, that's That's where I initially got exposed to engineering and then just kept taking those classes, did robotics club. And from all those, I was like, "Ah, I think I kind of like this. I could maybe do it. So I just decided to go into engineering in college Mm -hmm. and ended up sticking with it because I really enjoyed it. It's a unique challenge 
um, where you still get to work with people depending mm-hmm. on your job, but you get to be challenged every day too. And I like that there were things that were always changing and it just interested me. That's awesome. What about you, Jonathan? Mine's not as entertaining as that one. Um, <laughs> I basically was in physics class, eighth grade, and we kind of were going over some different parts of engineering, like uh, electronics, like capacitors, resistors, um, and then kind of just dabbling in like what other uh, parts of engineering would be with like forces mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so during that, just kind of had really just wanted or just really enjoyed uh the resistors capacitors for some reason mm-hmm. and i knew i wanted to go into engineering and because of that or that time of basically experiencing a little bit of electrical engineering and also with my grandpa being an electrical engineer i decided that would be the the path i would take mm-hmm. so freshman year went into electrical engineering and then stayed in it ever since and that's awesome. now here i am that's awesome that's so. awesome sounds like your roles are exciting and so I'm excited to learn more about that. So let's say there's a college student that's listening to this, or maybe there's a high school student that's listening to this. What was the process like in setting to become an engineer? Like, let's say if the listener is interested in becoming an engineer, what kind of wisdom would you give them as far as like the process? Like, what was that process like? I would say one big thing to realize is that school is hard. Like mm-hmm. school as an engineer, it just is... It's difficult. Everyone I know that's been through engineering school, except maybe a couple people that are very gifted in that way, think it's just difficult. And it requires more studying and time management and that kind of thing. But I think it's completely worth it. Mm -hmm. I look at my job and my career now. And yes, there were times in school that were so stressful and so difficult Mm -hmm. and so intensive. But now I think I put in that work early that now I get to really enjoy a career that is interesting and challenging, and it's really cool, too. Um, but it's just hard in school, and I think that's something to kind of be aware of. Yeah. But not to let that scare you, because yeah, it's still totally, totally worthwhile. Yeah, I have a student in the, the campus ministry I serve with that is studying to become a civil engineer, and he shared with me some of his experiences from some of his classes and his projects, and it's like, man, that's intense. Mm-hmm. And so Nathan is his name. Shout out to you, Nathan. But um, like, yeah. it's cool to hear about how the Lord has kind of gifted him in that area and mm-hmm. um, just to hear the process of becoming an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so thanks for sharing, Kelsey. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd say just to add to that, um, I think a big thing people do is um, they think they need to like know what they're doing when they get into school. And yeah, there, there is an idea, like you need to kind of know the direction. Um, but like with engineering, like you can kind of spend the first year just kind of um, seeing kind of where you want to go and what you want to do. So that's kind of like a big process that some people don't really think about is you don't have to know exactly what engineering um, you want to go into. And so hopefully that lightens up the load for some of you guys. And then another thing, when you're actually going into engineering school, or going into the university in general, uh, make sure um, you learn how to take notes and how to study. Uh, my big thing was I didn't know how to like take notes. And so it made it a lot harder to go through engineering when I'm cramming for everything, trying to uh, figure out what we actually learned that day because I wasn't taking great notes. Um, so that made it a lot more difficult for me. And so I just encourage you guys if you struggle with that or struggle with just studying in general try and build those habits in high school Mm -hmm. um, because you're going to need them a lot more in college and even if you don't need them in high school start building them then 
Um, cause I've seen a lot of people flunk out. They were very, very smart, but they just didn't know how to be disciplined mm-hmm. in their time and just spend time studying. Cause that's really what it takes. Um, I guess another thing with the process, make sure you build connections with people around you. Um, that's one of the major ways to actually get through college and get through, uh, with a good grade as well is like have study partners um, friends in, uh, in the classroom, um, just using, utilizing those resources and then also being really good friends with the teachers. Um, <laughs> not a teacher's pet, but um, asking good questions, going in, uh, making sure that the professor knows that you're engaged. Um, it'll definitely help you out when times are tough and you really need uh, an answer. He's probably more willing to do that, but also... Uh, he's just more willing in general to kind of fork over a little bit more information to help you out with a test or homework or whatever. Yeah. And one other thing too, like, well, actually too quick, like with having study partners, I always thought I was someone who studied better alone. It's way easier, but I realized that it's not true. I mean, there are times to study alone, but people sometimes pick up on one thing that you missed and you can really, really help each other with that or just with studying for exams and things like that. But one other piece of advice that I got before I was in college, I was debating whether or not to do engineering or a different career path like teaching. And my parents really encouraged me, um, and I think it's helpful too, if you're between two different careers, doing the more technical one up front is going to be easier for you down the road because you can always switch into something mm-hmm. that you don't have the as advanced math classes or things like that. But if you wait until your sophomore junior year, it's still doable, but you get behind just with having to do the math classes after the fact and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about engineering or a different field even that's more technical but and another one that you're between, my encouragement for you would be to start with that more technical one and then you can always switch it's easier switching from that to something different if you don't like it for sure well thank you both for sharing that and you already answered the next question was it difficult to earn an engineering degree (laughs) yes (laughs) it's college i mean i don't think there's such a thing as an easy degree um but kelsey i wanted to ask you specifically um because i know you mentioned you were involved with a campus ministry yeah how essential was your community with your campus ministry as you were studying to become an engineer? It was huge. For me, I had kind of two different communities. One was my engineering group, and so I would see them during the day a lot at classes and when we would study together. But my real, real deep friends were the ones that I was in that campus ministry with because we had a shared vision. Even though we were studying different things, it didn't really matter because we connected on a deeper level, and that was just the foundation of knowing Christ and wanting to live our lives just based on that. And so it was huge. Helped give me perspective for using my time in college well, but then also using it and investing it well after college too. So super, super important. That's awesome. So yeah, if you're listening to this, I mean, I would encourage you to, like we mentioned before on this podcast in the episode, Ripe for Harvest College Edition, um, Get into a campus ministry if your campus offers it, but if they don't get, I would even encourage you even more to get into a local church that mm. offers biblical community, um, especially when you're studying to become like an engineer or any sort of degree. That way, they can come alongside you to help you navigate the difficulty that there is in you know studying to become an engineer or whatever field that you're going into. Mm-hmm. And so, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that, Jonathan? I guess on top of like the uh, campus ministry thing. Um, like you said, campus ministries are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's like a lot of other reasons why you maybe want to get into a local church along with the campus ministry. And if you have to choose to go to a local church or choose between the two, I'd recommend going to a local church. Amen. One big thing for that is like with all, like discounting any other reason, but like the one I can think of the most is they're there for you for four years. But after that, they don't care about you. Once you're out of the school, I mean, they care about you. They care about you still, but they can't do as much for you. And a local church, they're going to have your back. They're going to be there for you. And they're going to disciple you, train you up, have a community for you, and a place where you can grow closer to Christ. Um, and also have the opportunity then to branch out from there and share the gospel with the, your city mm-hmm. and the people around you. Amen. We do care about you, let's do this. I was just kidding. I know you were. But, yeah. But thank you for that, listener. That was pretty funny. But, yeah, that's what I would encourage you to do, dear listener. Um, Just to, you know, as you're navigating those, you know, the difficulty of becoming an engineer or whatever role you're in, stay tethered to Jesus by being involved in the local church. That way you can grow in your understanding and knowledge of him. And so thank you both for answering that. Um, so now we're going to transition to a time of like your actual engineering roles. Like you got out of college. Mm-hmm. You're in your role now. So what what does your role look like day by day? Like what does that look like practically as electrical and mechanical engineer? Mine is a design Position. I'm a design engineer at a consulting firm. So basically different clients come to us and then we design whatever they need, usually buildings or um, sometimes like specialty type of projects or manufacturing facilities, lots of different things like that. But they come to us, we do the design, and then we send it off to be built, basically. So a lot of my job is in the office. Um, I have a pretty normal office job. I work about 8 to 5 and um, go in. I sit with a lot of other engineers, so we're always talking, always collaborating on different things we're working on, communicating um, together really frequently, but then there's also occasional times that we get to travel as well, so we would travel to a job site to have different meetings or to oversee construction on a project. If a project that we designed is getting built right then, we'd go check it out and make sure the contractors are doing what they need to. So a little bit of travel, a little bit of getting to be out in the field, but a lot of mine is a desk job in the office, but I really enjoy it. That's awesome. Have you gotten a chance to see anything like cool on your job? Oh, definitely. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. One of my projects was in Monterey, California. So I was there for two weeks and got to rollerblade along the coast of Monterey in the evenings. And then just a bunch of cool buildings during the day, too. Nice. So, yeah, that was probably my favorite. Nice. What about you, Jonathan? I guess I would start off by saying, like, all of our day-to-days are, like, completely different for engineers, um, depending on kind of really what role of engineer you are, like, what type you go into, but also kind of what industry you go into as well. So both of our industries is construction related, um, but there's so many other um, different uh, biz- or, uh, companies you can work for and different parts of the industry you can work in. So with me, I'm working in the power industry. And so a lot of that deals with a lot with construction, a lot of building power plants, transmission line or substations, and just basically getting power um, to your city, to the world basically. And so my day-to-day job basically entails is really similar to to Kelsey's, where I'm at a desk most of the time, um, working on specifications for our projects, um, doing detailed engineering uh, that we would then give to our construction teams, 
and working really, really closely with, with my electrical team and then also with all the other disciplines around me. And so there's a lot of, lot of communication and um, going up and down the chain as well. So communicating to uh, your managers, uh, upper management, but also leading your team below you of uh, giving them material to work on, but also communicating with uh, people uh, at your level as well, especially in other disciplines, but also your own discipline. Hmm. And so it's just a lot of communication, a lot of technical work. Um, and there are opportunities as well for me to go to the field, um, to experience that. Like I said before, going down to Louisiana, um, I've also been to Mexico a little bit, um, but it's kind of varies day to day. Um, but in general, it's, uh, a lot of communication, a lot of uh, technical work, a lot of looking at specifications and drawings and sitting and staring at your computer. Yeah, as we're, as we're <laughs> recording this podcast, uh, Jonathan came back from Mexico and he was sending me some pictures of some of his experiences down there with the food. I was like, oh man, I want some of that so bad. And then he brought me a bottle of authentic Mexican hot sauce directly from Mexico. So yeah, if you're an engineer, you get to travel. I mean... You can have experiences yourself like this. That made True. Me, oh, yeah. That made me like, oh, man, I kind of wish I were an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. Next question I have for you, too. What have been challenges that you have encountered while working at your job? Wow, there's a lot. Um, I would say for me, um, something I really struggled with when I first started working um, was just speaking up. So asking questions. When I got stuck on something, I would bang my head against the wall and be like, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. And it was like, where's this file or something? It's like, I can't figure that out. Like, I don't know where the file is. Um, and, it, and it also related to just technical stuff as well. Like, I just didn't know things. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought coming out of college that I would know all these things. I would have, I'd be able to hit the ground running and really help out this company. But um, there's a huge process of learning and growing and asking questions, and that never stops as well. Let me just put it there, that even if you're a 40-year engineer, you're still going to be growing, still going to be learning. There's still be new things you're going to be working on and developing. And so uh, I think that was the biggest – one of the biggest challenges was just opening my mouth and asking questions and bringing people into my struggles. Mm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. For me, one of my big challenges was going from school where you're always getting grades. You're always getting a form of feedback to hear how you're doing, how it's all going. Going from that to basically no feedback. You get some. You get markups back from engineers, and I would hear a little bit of, oh, nice, or good job, or whatever. But it was so different going from getting more feedback on how I did overall to just kind of vague comments on what I needed to change. So getting used to that was very different. I realized that in school, you get more of the good job, well done, or like your grade, if you get a high grade, oh, well, I did well. But um, in work, what I found is that, at least at my company, I'm less likely to receive vocal affirmation on different projects or things that they've done well. Someone would bring something up more often if it's done poorly. But just remembering that even if I don't necessarily hear something really good or that someone just so excited about what I did it's because I'm paid to do it like that's what they're expecting so if I'm doing what they're expecting and doing a good mm -hmm. job they might not say a lot but that's okay like getting used to that was a challenge for me gotcha and then 
Next question. What are the things that you enjoy most about working as an engineer and why? I really like the mix between getting to talk and work with other people and the team aspect of my job that I, I can work with people for a while, figure stuff out, but then I get to go back to my desk and try to solve things on my own. I'm challenged individually and there's different problems that come up or just complications and I really like the chance to work on it on my own, try to solve the problem, but then go back with my team and talk through different ideas and then there's this process of working with them and um, being challenged on my own that I really, really enjoy. That's awesome. Yeah, mine's pretty similar to that. Um, Kind of what do I enjoy about working as an engineer? I mean, I enjoy being able to work on a lot of these technical uh, projects, um, but then also at the same time have a lot of communication with a lot of people. So it's not just sitting in front of a computer, staring at it, and kind of trying to solve something, but we're trying to solve it all together. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And that's also why I enjoy a lot of these bigger projects. You have so many people to work with and so many people to learn from and to develop these really, really amazing uh, projects, buildings, facilities, everything. Ooh, that sounds so much fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you both for sharing that. I know like, you know, as I'm hearing you describe your job, it's like, it sounds like it's a lot of problem solving because you're trying to figure out like, how do I make this right? Mm -hmm. Because I know like, especially when like, you know, someone's designing a bridge or designing a building, you don't want to you know, make you want to make sure that it's built right the first time. Definitely, yeah. yeah that is it fails. Yeah. That is one thing. Like different engineering industries, like Jonathan was talking about earlier, have different focuses. Mm-hmm. Ours are both a little more on the social side and probably a little less technical. But there's some that are super technical. They don't talk mm-hmm. with people a lot. It's just individual design of a product or things like that. But you hit the nail on the head with all of them. The big thing, from what I've seen, is problem solving. And fixing like fixing mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, that's a common thread through all yeah. which is engineering jobs. Something that you learn a lot in college, and I think that's the biggest thing you take away yeah. from college is you how, to how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you'll throw away half, or I shouldn't say this, but you'll probably <laughs> throw away eighty percent of the knowledge you actually learn from from college. And because they teach you so many different disciplines within electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, mm-hmm. civil engineering, and you'll use the basics and maybe something you like specifically went in and learned a lot about. But everything else um, is it, kind of not applicable as much. Mm-hmm. But you're problem solving and figuring out how to finish that class and do well in it. Mm-hmm. And your dedication to that, that's something you take away and, and can use for the rest of your life. Yeah, amen. True. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing your posts. Thanks for sharing that. So you're in this role. You're building stuff. You're solving problems. You're designing cables, designing HVAC units. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. And there's this other problem in the engineering world that it's not clearly visible, but it's this problem of sin. And mm-hmm. you both have mentioned your stories that you're both followers of Jesus. And so uh, my question for you is, like, as you work in the engineering world, like, what is it like for you as an engineer to live out your faith in the workplace? to help like kind of address this problem called sin Mm -hmm. that is so pervasive in you know, the workplace. Yeah. Um, I guess how you would live it out, I think is how you'd live out any faith in any industry. Um, and being any Christian, like, um, spend time with God, know his word, 
be in relationship with him and share the gospel. Like it's, it's not anything any harder as an engineer than it is as a pastor. Um, it, the gospel is the same. Mm. What we're saying is the same. Um, the big thing is just having the courage to do so. And so, yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Like the need is the same wherever Mm. you're at. Um, I think it, yeah, like I definitely see lost people at work and people who don't know Christ. And, uh, my work is really big. We have a really big company and a big campus. Um, and so for me, a lot of times I will see old people and young people and just have conversations with them. And, um, just hearing like different struggles that older people have. Um, it's interesting because it's like all the things that we struggle with as young people, but when they keep happening for 30 or 40 more years, it sometimes it can just be more ingrained, like different mm-hmm. habits or things like that. But yeah, the, like the remedy for that is just talking about God and explaining like what the gospel is, like what that means to us. Um, and just having personal conversations, hearing where people are at and really just praying for the boldness and the courage to actually speak up when there's opportunities. Cause that's, what's hard. It's hard to talk to a 50 year old coworker who is like at the top of our department, knows a bunch, all of that. It's hard having a conversation with him because I can't relate with him as well as some, one of my peers. Gotcha. I think another thing to add on to that is just look for every opportunity you can. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was mentioning with your managers, um, with your coworkers, your peers, um, maybe the people you're leading. Um, there's always opportunities, and the big thing is just looking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, an example, when I was in Mexico, um, had some small opportunities to uh, share the gospel or share bits of the gospel um, with my managers while they were brought up just during conversation or a little tidbit here and there. I was able to just build off on that and just try and uh, kind of share a little bit about my faith, like kind of what I do, um, and just show that to them. And so... One thing I always like to think about and um, always just think about like what I should be doing in order to do that at the work po- workplace, especially as an engineer, um, is 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33, which says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just so that I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And so... Basically, whatever we do, whatever we're doing, whether it's um, building out a specification, whether it's by ourselves, whether we're communicating with our coworkers, um, whether we're giving a presentation, we're all doing it. We're doing it all to the glory of God. We're doing it to our best, and then even further than that, um, because Christ is with us and because the Holy Spirit is with us. And so, uh, I think that's one thing you need to live out while you're at work, and gives you those opportunities to then share your faith and share the gospel with people. That's when people will start asking questions and. Like, why are you different? And that's when you have the opportunity of, like, they've literally asked you and they've given you a step in the door to just share the, your faith, share the gospel, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so um, basically the whole point of that that verse is do everything to glorify God. Hmm. And as a result, your aim is so that people can be saved. Hmm. And so that's how you should be living out your faith, especially in the workplace. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome that you two are living your life on mission in your workplaces. It's it's really awesome to hear that, especially those examples you provided you both. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. How would you describe the spiritual climate in your specific workplace?
We'll be back after a brief break. Hey, what's up, everyone? We really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, will you please consider rating this podcast in your favorite podcasting app? Please leave us a comment. Finally, please share this podcast with your friends and family on social media or however you share things. We would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tethered. Now back to the episode. Hmm. I think in mine we have a mix of there's some people who are following Christ, a lot of people who maybe go to church or are somewhat religiously affiliated, I would say, and then um, some that uh, don't really necessarily believe anything or do anything mm-hmm. like with religion or with their faith. Um, so there's a huge mix. It's probably a pretty decent sampling of population that would like represent Kansas City as a whole mm-hmm. is what my guess would be. So there's a mix. Um, some people do not want to hear about God. They're not interested. And that's okay. We talk in ways we can and like I'm there for them and they know that um, that's something I am interested in and care about them in that way. Mm-hmm. But then there's some people who are really open to knowing more and who do want to find a purpose beyond just... Mm-hmm working and um using their 20s and having fun so there's definitely a mix just like in Mm -hmm. like the climate outside of work too yeah for sure yeah i'd say if you asked me this question a year ago i'd say there was no christ followers there's no one that believed in 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 jesus christ as the lord and savior um but as i've like been able to get involved with bible studies and just talk to a lot more people I've actually found that there's quite a few people that actually do uh, follow Jesus Christ and go to a church and actually like serve and 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 really give their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's also the, like she was saying, or like Kelsey was saying, that there's people that go to church for that good feeling, for that cheap grace, mm-hmm. um, and then there's people uh, that really completely despise it and don't think it's real and stuff like that. And so you'll see all of those people, I think, in any workplace. And, and so yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know in my personal experience, like when I, you know, worked in the business world before, you know, becoming a vocational missionary with crew, um, I remember working at this particular company and, you know, just like as I got to know people, I got to hear their stories and I got to hear Mm -hmm. about like how they were walking with the Lord. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. like this would have not happened if I just had a simple conversation with them about who they are. And from there, it's like, hey, you're following Jesus. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And they knew that, obviously, like, I was, you know, living out my faith because it seems like I would not never, like, be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it definitely was an opportunity for me to, you know, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the person that you might be sharing with could already be a believer. And they're like, wow, I don't have to be as afraid to share my faith. I can mm-hmm. step out in boldness mm-hmm. and be able to share my faith. And so that's awesome that you two are examples of that in your workplaces Mm. and so now you know the lord has shown you this other people who follow jesus in your workplaces and you're able to come together and you know continue living on mission so other people can come to know christ Mm. yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right is it difficult to share the gospel with your coworkers? you kind of already alluded to this yeah i think it can be uh, it can always be scary to talk to someone about faith or ask if they have like what they think of jesus or 
um, those types of questions I think can always be difficult just because there's probably a level of questioning like, oh, will I get rejected? What will they think of me? Especially if you work closely with them. But I think the big thing that has helped me to overcome that and actually have those conversations is just realizing that they're people too. If they know me and if I work with them, they also, they've probably heard me talk about going to church or doing something like that. So it's not that big of a surprise to hear someone mm-hmm. ask about those things. As long as I'm not being super pushy or um, anything like that, mm-hmm. it's scary. But the biggest thing is just like mm-hmm. building up the courage and praying for boldness to actually open my mouth and start the conversation. Mm. Yeah, I think it becomes difficult if you don't start by like sitting with Christ and just spending time with, with God. Um, and, and the reason why that is, is you start fearing man more than you start fearing God. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you just look at the great commission, uh, let me find the, I don't actually have this memorized, but, uh, in Matthew 28, 20, or Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so really just understanding the great commission, like what does God want us to do? And that is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And you can do that at work. You can do that while you're at the grocery store, wherever Mm -hmm. you're at. And the second part is, is he gives us uh, peace of mind while we're doing that. Cause he says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Mm -hmm. as we're doing this, we're not alone. And so that's where it comes down to, are we fearing man or are we fearing God? And the big thing about fearing God is, are we spending time with him and are we with him and know of his goodness and of his grace and, and why people should know about the goodness of God yeah. and about the salvation that Jesus Christ yeah. provided us. Amen. Amen. And I know it can be scary to share the gospel with uh, coworkers because like what we can't control is their response. Mm-hmm. Like we can't control how they'll respond to the message of the gospel because the gospel is offensive mm-hmm. like it's basically telling somebody like yeah we're sinners in light of a holy god but at the same time it's presenting mm-hmm. that hope that in christ alone that you can be forgiven mm-hmm. of your sin if you only exclusively put your faith and trust in him mm-hmm. and so i know like in the workplace that can be detrimental um because it could affect your reputation it can even affect your job Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, I had a friend Jacob um, who was featured on the episode Dig for That Gold in season one who started a Bible study and you know he was gonna he still works for this company but like it's just hard for him because a lot of his co-workers are not believers mm-hmm. but the fact that the Lord is providing opportunities for him to start this Bible study and then the company itself actually paid for resources for mm-hmm. them to have so they can be able to you know, share the gospel mm-hmm. and quality resources too. And so, but, you know, Jacob has to be ready because he could share something that could be very offensive to mm-hmm. um, people in the workplace, especially in our context mm-hmm. today. Like, if you say something against a certain group of people, you could be labeled like a bigot or mm-hmm. be canceled. Mm-hmm. And so workplace evangelism can be difficult, mm-hmm. but we are called to share the good news because, like, Jonathan was saying, like, we're all called to be part of the Great Commission because we are called to testify what God has done for us and Mm -hmm. what he can do for all mankind. And we're called to proclaim that you can be made right before a holy God. Mm -hmm. And so I know, like, in the workplace, that's especially, 
you know, difficult because again, you'll never know how the coworkers will respond or if you're, you know, at the risk of being fired. Mm-hmm. Like no one's certain about that. And so how did you like navigate that? Like as you're sharing your faith? Yeah. Um, I think kind of going back to what we've talked about, how you navigate that. I think one big thing is how are you performing as a, as a worker? Like how are you performing as an engineer? Are you giving up all like two hours of your day to try and share the gospel with people? Or are you putting in two extra hours in order to have that two hour window to share the gospel with people? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the big thing. Like you should look at first is like, how am I as a worker? Um, and then that just transitions to everything else of like how people will treat you. Um, and, and what they will think of you when you actually do share that your faith with them. They're like, okay, there's meaning behind this. Okay, we can't, I mean, a lot of times they're not going to fire you if you're a good worker and you're putting in that mm-hmm. time and you, you have a faith. Um, but if you have a faith and you're not a good worker, they're going to use that as an excuse um, to get rid of you. And so I think the first thing that we talked, like we talked about before is do everything to the glory of God. Mm. And we should be working um, differently than everybody else. It doesn't mean you're putting in the extra 10 hours a week just to show that you're dedicated to the to the cause but the time that you are there the time that you are working you are a really good worker and um you actually show that difference between that you have a a work-life balance that you're able to work you're able to put in the time but you also care about other things than just work yeah yeah thanks for sharing that what i think of when you shared that is when daniel in the book of daniel um is like the third highest in the kingdom he is under king darius and essentially you know there's people who are coming against him to try to pass this law to not worship anybody else but the king but daniel's so devoted to Mm -hmm. god to yahweh that he just cannot follow that rule and so but he still is obedient to the government because Mm -hmm. you know he's called to live as an example but Mm -hmm. He still prays to Yahweh, and, you know, one day the guys catch him doing it. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, Daniel didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And King Darius knew that Daniel had good character. Daniel had exceptional character. And these guys were basically coming together to kind of manipulate Darius. and like, hey, you passed this law. Mm-hmm. So because you passed this law and it's irrevocable, you got to draw him in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. And the Lord sovereignly protected Daniel. Yep. And because of that, Darius came to understand like, wow, mm-hmm. this is an amazing God. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to revoke the edict. And from there, the Lord used that to show King Darius like to issue a new edict mm-hmm. saying, if anyone like kind of goes against Daniel's God, mm-hmm. then he is to be stoned essentially kind of edict. But think about that for a minute. It was Daniel's God who was represented well through Daniel. And so, mm-hmm. and that the fact that the Lord used an edict to be passed throughout Persia, yep. to not like talk bad about Yahweh. Like that's just how far goes, you know, how far God goes to show like he is in control. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool that the Lord used that. I mean, there is consequence for sin. I mean, we learned in the lion's den that those guys who manipulated Daniel were drawn into the lion's den with their families. And so mm-hmm. sin has consequences. But, you know, if you live to, you know, work for the glory of God, who knows how the Lord can use that? Mm-hmm. 
And something to add on to that, like with the Daniel situation, it's like he gave them no reason other than his faith to hate him. Hmm. And so with that, like if in the workplace they're using your faith against you, I mean, that's just another way you can just stand on that and like have a great opportunity to like share the gospel and be like, what offense are you are you saying that I'm 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 having against you guys except for the gospel except yeah. for what I'm proclaiming yeah um, and that mean that doesn't mean you should harass people with the gospel yeah and all these things um, a lot of things like what I think about is letting God give you those opportunities to share the mm-hmm. gospel rather than trying to force an opportunity to share the gospel because if you're forcing it, it it's it's I mean yes it's going to be heard and yes God can use that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, if you're if you're following God, pursuing God, and, and letting Him give you those opportunities, He's going to give them to you way more often than you even forcing it, and it's going to be so much more fruitful. Yeah, Amen, Amen. Thanks for sharing. And so, yeah, that's just good wisdom to keep in mind because we we would never know how God can use your faith. I love what you said. It was Daniel's faith that kept him grounded, mm-hmm. and you know, King Darius was able to yep. see that. And, you know, just be faithful in your job. Mm-hmm. Whether you're an engineer or whatever else you do, just be faithful in your job. Honor your bosses. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what Paul says in his letters over and over. Honor yeah. your masters mm-hmm. so they may see your good works. And so thanks for sharing that, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And so, all right. Should engineers share the gospel only with other engineers or are they called to share the gospel with all people? Definitely called Everybody. to all people. Yeah. It's, I mean, just like in Acts after Pentecost, like when the Israelites or like people following um, or who were following Christ at that time, they were told to share like not just in Judea or Samaria, but mm-hmm. to the ends of the earth. Like this is different, but kind of similar. Like, yeah, we share with engineers. We share with people who work at our companies, but it doesn't really matter who they are or what they do. Like, all people are souls and all mm-hmm. need to know um, the God that we serve and know that they have an option of following him or choosing mm-hmm. not to. Yeah. So, Amen. That's yeah. good. That's good. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said it well. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well. So we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, so next question. What motivates you to share the gospel with your coworkers? I think really just seeing them as souls like um yeah they may have a different age or different interests or different whatever but at the end of the day um they're people that i work with but through working with them i care about them and Mm -hmm. i care about their lives i care about their families what they do and even beyond that i care about their souls and about um just them getting to know and experience the peace and the hope that we get in Christ and Mm -hmm. just hoping that they can experience that same thing. Yeah. Amen. The other thing to add to that is like, we haven't really mentioned it much in this, this podcast, but, um, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And so what she's saying about like, uh, caring for their souls and wanting to experience that peace, it's also so they don't have to experience hell. And we know that there's only two ways you're going. You're going to either go to hell or you're going to go to heaven. And every person you come in contact with is that opportunity to give them the hope of Jesus Christ, but also knowing where they're going when they, when they die and that they're going to be going to heaven instead of hell. And so I think that's a really good point, but there's another one where uh, Pastor Phil, I believe, uh, at our church, he, uh, 
he talked about this during a sermon and uh, it's really has been motivating me a lot as well to share in the, in the workplace, but it's, um, he was talking about uh, pastoral ministry and all these things. And he says, the one people group that I can't share with is people in your workplaces, people that you work with day in and day out that aren't going to come to church and won't ever come to church. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to share the gospel with them and mm-hmm. I can't. And so that's just something that's super powerful. Like, our day-to-day jobs, what we do, where we work, God's given us this gift, whether it be engineering um, or whether it just be a cashier at a grocery store. Yeah. We have that opportunity to share the gospel with those people that we work with every single day, live it out, but also speak it to them. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because um, like, I love that Abundant Life equips its members to go share their faith in the workplace and my encouragement to you dear listener if um if your church is not equipping you to share your faith outside the walls of the church it might be you know it might be you know worth considering maybe changing your your church like i cannot be more blunt than that Mm -hmm. because like the gospel is not meant to be kept inside the church Mm -hmm. walls it's meant to be taken out or exported Yep. outside the church to your workplaces because yeah like pastors can't do that mm-hmm. like they're called the shepherd or flock but you dear listener if you're working as an engineer or working in any type of role like god has equipped you to go share your faith and here's what's even more cool you're qualified you don't have to be a pastor or a theologian i've said this before on this podcast you don't have to be any anything like that mm-hmm. like what qualifies you is that you're in Christ. You have the inheritance, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, that you've been redeemed in Christ, and that is what qualifies you to mm-hmm. go share your faith. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it's cool, too, like you're saying, Jonathan, where we do have badges. Like, both of us have badges to get into our office. Like, mm-hmm. I sit mm-hmm. up on the fourth floor. I go through several doors with my badges to get in. I can't even get in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have... Wherever you're at wherever we're at like we have opportunities with the people that we're around and like where we've been placed Mm -hmm. to use that just like you're saying like oh we have different gifts like we're in different places or seasons for reason whether you're in college and you get to go sit in certain classrooms or live in a certain dorm room or same with places we work Mm -hmm. things like that any of those can be used to glorify god Mm -hmm. and have conversations yeah amen amen cool thanks for sharing and next question how do you stay tethered to Jesus in your personal life? Uh, for me, it's all about spending time with God. Whenever I'm not spending time with God, that's when I notice um, that I'm far from Him. Just like with friends, like if I'm not, if I have a really good friend, but I'm never spending time with her, our relationship will suffer. It's the same thing with me and God too. John 15 talks about abiding with Christ and how mm-hmm. He. Or he is the vine, we are the branches, yeah. and apart from him we can do nothing. And I've seen that in my own life. I used to think I could do some things on my own, but I can see that really apart from Christ and apart from spending time with him, um, I, I can't do much mm. at all, mm. much worthwhile anyway. Mm. So. Well said. Yeah, I think to add to that, like I think all that like is so, so true and so, so good. Another thing is like community, having yeah. people around you that pour into you, um, and I'm not talking about like community at work or your engineers or the people you talk to about work, but really people who are pouring into you, um, filling you up with the Holy Spirit and just like giving you that life of 
hey, like maybe even it could be correction where they're actually pointing you in a different direction of where you're going because they love you that much and they're gonna they're willing to actually tell you, hey, this is not God honoring. This is not going in the right direction. You need to go in this direction instead. Mm, well said. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. And here's my next question to you. What would you say to the listener who may be an inspiring engineer and or currently an engineer who wants to grow in their personal relationship with Jesus? Hmm. I think a big thing is finding friends that are following Christ. I've heard it said that you become like the five people you're mm. the closest with. So mm. think about who am I spending time with? Who am I allowing to be in that inner circle? And if you're realizing that it's people who are really distracting you or um, not helpful in your walk with Christ, maybe it's worthwhile to think about finding some new friends or just spending mm-hmm. more time with different people. I think that's definitely a huge thing. Um, and also even thinking about, just like thinking about the people you're with, also thinking about what you're listening to, what you're taking in. Um, are you glorifying God in everything you do or is it just some things? Mm-hmm. Um, are you being influenced by, um, yeah, just like what you're focused on? Thinking about all of those things too, I think can be really helpful in mm-hmm. re-evaluating yeah, and getting back sure. on track. definitely. And I think another one, kind of just to like add on top of what you what uh, Kelsey was saying, is that um, as an engineer, there's going to be a lot pulling you in different directions when you're working. Um, there's so many people that need information. There's so many people that need your time. Um, and then even when you're when you're studying um, for your engineering degree, there's so many classes, so many hard things you're working on, so many assignments. Um, and the big thing with that is just making sure. Uh, you're spending time with God. You're not letting those things overshadow um, your time with the Lord. And um, I'm going to butcher this quote, but uh, Martin Luther King would always say, um, if, it's a, if it's a tough day, then that means I need to spend basically more time with God, more time in prayer, more time in the Word, mm-hmm. um, because that's how you're able to get through that day. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like when things get tough, that means you need to just spend more time with God mm-hmm. um, and, and, and know where, where you're getting your, your life source from. And that's the aspect of just being tethered to God. Yeah, amen, amen. Thanks for sharing that. And what encouraging words would you give to engineers who are believers who feel discouraged in their workplace, workplaces? Yeah, um, let's see. Let me just rethink of this question. Let's see. So if you're feeling discouraged, um, it depends really what that is. It depends like what you're discouraged about, whether it's performance, whether it's you don't think people like you um, or anything. Um, I mean, the biggest thing with that is just really bringing God into everything, mm-hmm. um, spending your time in prayer throughout the day, um, maybe even taking some quiet time mm-hmm. to uh, kind of re, um, kind of bring yourself back from all these things you're thinking about or, the, or why you're being discouraged and really bringing it back to the word of God. Um, and bringing it, bringing it back to his truth. Um, I think that's one really, really big thing. Um, but also with that, um, you, like we're talking about community within the church, you also need to find some people that you can talk with at work and that you can communicate with. It gives you the opportunity to share the gospel with them, but Mm -hmm. also to kind of talk with them about this discouragement and how maybe they can help you along your, uh, along that path to overcoming that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's always times that can be discouraging, even like whether that's when you're studying or when you're working. There are just sometimes really stressful periods of work with deadlines or with projects or whatever. Um, for me, something that 
for me, it's been a busy season at work with a big deadline coming up. And what I just have to keep going back to over and over is remembering that um, the work stuff is important and I want to do it well, but mm -hmm. ultimately it's not the most important thing in my life. And Psalm 46 has been the Psalm that I've just been going back to over and over. Um, the first verse says that God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. And it's because of that. Therefore we will not fear. Even when a bunch of stuff happens, it's God who will save her and, and he, or that God will save us and mm -hmm. that he is our fortress and strength. And so just remembering that even on really hard days, mm -hmm. it can be so helpful to look past the thing that you're looking at and look beyond that to just remember that we do serve a God who is a very mm -hmm. present help in times of trouble. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Last question here. What would you say to the listener who works or is studying or knows someone that is that works or is studying in engineering on how to stay tethered to Jesus practically? Kind of already answered this a little bit, but maybe, you know, maybe more in depth. Yeah, I think it basically sums up everything. I mean, how to stay tethered to Jesus Christ and how it looks practically is just always going back to what Jesus Christ did for us. Mm -hmm. um, always going back to the gospel, preaching that to yourself daily before mm -hmm. you even think about trying to share it with your coworkers or anything like that. You first need to preach it to yourself. And so um, something I always think about, um, kind of the verse that I, it, I absolutely love is Psalms 40 verse 2. Um, where basically just says, uh, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, mm. out of the mud and the myrrh, uh, and he set, uh, he, set my, or he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And basically that just shows the epitome of what the gospel is, and that's just really what I like to always just go back to in order to just understand where God brought me from mm -hmm. and where God has taken me to. Um, and basically it just shows that God extended his arm to us while we were in this pit, while we had no opportunity of getting out and he's just hey he just said basically take hold of my hand all you have to do is reach up and take hold of it nothing you need to do i will do the work he takes you out of that pit and he sets your feet on solid ground he sets your feet on the foundation of jesus christ of what he did on the cross that he paid for our sins that he loved us so much that he paid the ultimate penalty his life for us mm -hmm. um and then also, he didn't just set us on that foundation, but then he steadied us along. Like I said before, the Holy Spirit being our seal of salvation um, that lives with us now um, that Jesus Christ has ascended, that mm -hmm. it's uh, the Holy Spirit's with us and guides us along mm -hmm. that path that as we maybe go astray, mm -hmm. pulling us back to the, mm -hmm. the right path and that foundation and where we're going. And so mm -hmm. I think just reminding yourself of that daily, continuing to go back to that and making that a... Um, a daily reminder to yourself. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right on. Doing that every day is so important, and that's a big part of being tethered to God, like going back over and over and remembering, like, He is over everything, and He's in charge, and um, it's God who does the impossible things and the really big things, and we just get to experience Him and experience what He's doing and be part of it. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you both for sharing your wisdom and insight. And, you know, I wanted to end this episode in this way. Um, you both are engineers again, and you guys work in teams. And, you know, there's a team that's required to build a big building or HVAC unit. Like, I come to this verse in 
Luke chapter 14, verse 28, which is in the context of it's the cost of discipleship. And just like when you build stuff, it costs money. Mm-hmm. Like there's a huge cost that has to be taken into account mm-hmm. that if we don't build this right, it's going to tumble. Mm-hmm. And so um, in this context, Jesus is sharing about um, what it means to actually follow him. Like what what cost do you have to consider if you want to follow Jesus? And this is what he says starting in verse 27 of Luke chapter 14. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. And you mentioned foundation Mm -hmm. earlier. So your foundation must be Jesus. Mm -hmm. It must be the gospel itself because if it's not the gospel that you're tethering yourself to the person of jesus that you're tethering yourself to Mm -hmm. you will tumble and in order to follow jesus it's hard like there's sacrifices that you may need to make in order to follow jesus and as an engineer um or any work you know career path you must remember that it could cost you your job Mm -hmm. to share the gospel with your co-workers because like you were saying, like these are souls that are made in the image of God that could be either going to heaven or hell, depending if they're in Christ or not. Mm-hmm. And because you love them, just like Jesus would love them, it fuels you to go share the, your faith. And sometimes that requires denying yourself mm-hmm. in order to do that, or counting the cost, or carrying your own cross that's an act of self-denial and so dear listener my encouragement to you is as you you know if you're an engineer if you're not my encouragement to you is stay tethered to jesus count the cost daily in terms of like this could cost me my job but i know that the lord is going to be with me because he promised Mm -hmm. he would be with me till the very end of the age and so don't lose heart in sharing your faith Jared Wilson, one of my favorite authors, if you heard on this podcast, what you win them with is what you win them to. So win them with the person of Jesus. Tell them about how he's personally affected your life and just continue to press on towards the call of the upward, the prize of the upward call of God. And so um, that's pretty much it. Do you guys have any final thoughts that you wanted to share? I guess... One thing I would like to add, you were talking about count the cost. When I was thinking of that, I was uh, thinking of actually counting the reward. Hmm. Um, like, yeah, there's a lot of cost that, that you're going to suffer. Um, but, like, what's the reward? And the reward is eternity. And so mm-hmm. even if one person in your workplace, one person you're working with, or one person you have come in contact with gives their life to Christ, that's one person has an eternity saved. Mm-hmm. And so I think one big thing, yes, you need to count the cost. Like, what are you going to have to give up for uh, living out your faith, but also think about what's the reward of doing that as well. Amen. Yeah, I think one other thing that I would add is just to remember that the days are short and um, Ecclesiastes 12 talks about remembering your creator in the days of your youth. And so whether you're young or old or whatever, um, no matter where you are in life, like this is the time to get serious about that and to take advantage of where you are at because college goes really fast those four to five years 
they speed by and then all of a sudden you're working and then a few years at work goes fast and then your life just keeps moving. So it's never too late to start and there's never a better time than now um, just to start following Christ and to use, just to take advantage of where you're at because just like Joey said, like we've been talking about, I guess you're in a certain place for a reason and God has you there and he can do a lot of things if you're willing to be used. So don't wait. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank, yeah. Thank you both again for coming on to this podcast today and dear listener Thanks on the us. next. Yeah. It's my pleasure. On the next episode, we're going to be talking to a teenager that's living her life on mission and how and we're going to talk about how her staying tethered to Jesus helps her live her life on mission as a teenager. So stay tuned for that episode coming next. And we will see you next time here on Tethered. See ya. See ya. <laughs>